please keep that psalm open. I'm now going to spend some time explaining it, but it's better if you have it open so that you can see that what I'm saying is actually what the psalm is saying, and I'm not making it up off the top of my head. Let's pray and ask God for his Holy Spirit to help us. Father God, thank you that you are a speaking God. You chat to us through your Bible, and you rejoice to hear us chatting back to you when we pray. So we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you will speak as it were to our hearts and minds, speak into our souls, so that we'll know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and that your Spirit will make more and more our lives to be shaped like him and to live for him all of our days. Amen. We've all been bullied somewhere, sometime. So maybe at school, we got told we were too fat or too thin, or we, weren't, or we were too bookish, needed to get out and uh, do some sports, or maybe we weren't scholarly enough, depending on the school. Or perhaps some of us have face, faced racism, getting jibes because we were the wrong skin color or being called, you know, chink or wog or curry or whatever like that. But it's not just school. Perhaps some of us have faced bullying, <coughs> pardon me, perhaps some of us have faced bullying at work. And so you do a decent job, you do what you need to do, you give your project to the boss, and he calls it a whole load of rubbish and everyone laughs at you and you're like, what? Or even worse, perhaps you face bullying in your family. The Christmas present is never good enough. You can't cook well enough or you don't spend enough time with them or you spend too much time with them. Get out, get alive. You just can't please them. And especially in that kind of context, it's really subtle. Nobody, maybe they don't say it as bluntly as that. It's just the toss of the head, the roll of the eyes. It can gut your soul, doesn't it? It just eats away and makes you demoralized. Nowadays, cyberbullying is a big problem. Perhaps some of us here have faced it. Internet technology is so sophisticated that we can send emails or text messages or Facebook messages and do it totally anonymously. And so people can send really hurtful, vicious messages to people. And they get just barraged with messages like, you're fat, you're ugly, you're so stupid, no one loves you, no one cares about you, why don't you crawl off in a corner and die? Or people can make a fake Facebook account with your picture on it and then put something really rude and crude on it. Something like, now pardon me, I'm going to say stuff that you don't normally hear from a pulpit, but... You need to know that this happens. Something like, text me for free sex. And then you turn up at work. You don't know, of course. But you turn up at work or school and everyone's laughing about it. And there's posters everywhere and everyone's got it as their screensaver. Ha, 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 this is you. Those of you who are parents, it can happen to your children. Be aware of the signs. So your kids used to love getting on the internet. Now they're scared. They used to show you how to use social media. Now they're frightened of social media. They used to be really cheerful and bubbly. They're withdrawn. They're frightened to be with their friends. They don't want to go to school, whatever. Look, be on the alert for those signs. Those of you who are young folk, be alert for that from your siblings. 
but also we all need to be alert that we can become perpetrators. We can become the bully because bullying is fun. Bullying is the use of power to make yourself feel good by making somebody else feel bad, feel small about themselves. That's what basically what bullying is. If you have a look on the various official definitions of bullying, they say stuff something like that. So, you know, New South Wales Department of Education and things. It's the use of power and privilege to make yourself look good at the expense of someone else, making them feel bad about themselves. The thing is that that's kind of cool. Like, by definition, it, you know, you feel good. And it's kind of fun, you know, when, when you victimize someone, then you're powerful and people want to be friends with you and then they join you in laughing at the loser. So why not be a bully? Why not be a winner at the expense of the losers? King David was being bullied. I know, you kind of go, king, bullied? That's what he was going through. Have a look at verse 3. Psalm 62, verse 3. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? King David was weak. Now, we don't know exactly what was happening to him. Was this one of those times that King Saul was trying to kill him? Was this one of those times that Absalom, David's own, own son, was chasing after him and trying to assassinate him. We don't know. But anyway, King David was weak. He calls himself a tottering fence. You know those fences with so much ivy on them that you just got to go like poke and they go crash and fall over. That's how he felt. And so how were his enemies treating him? Were they helping him? Were they supporting him? Verse 4. They fully intend to topple him. From his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. David's enemies were taking advantage of his weak situation and doing it sneakily. Classic bullying. Bullies never do it like in public. They're too, they're too frightened. <laughs> they're too weak themselves. This is just like here they delight in lies. Cyberbullying is difficult to punish because the apps, the technology is so sophisticated that even the police have a hard time finding who the perpetrator is. And so how did David respond when he was being bullied and being bullied sneakily? Did he get discouraged? Did he get angry? Did he tell the teacher? He got prayerful. Have a look at verses 1 and 2 and 5 to 7. Verses 1 and 2. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. Now skip down to verses 5 to 7. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. When David was bullied, he didn't get scared, but neither did he get angry. He trusted God and got prayerful. 
And notice the way that these verses are structured. So you got the verses that talk about his problem, verses 3 and 4, but they're bracketed by verses of confidence, 1 and 2, and then 5 to 7. David, when faced with bullies, trusted God. What a loser! What an idiot! He doesn't have any friends. He doesn't have anyone who can protect him. And so he has to go to his imaginary friend, God, and go cry to him. I mean, this guy deserves to be bullied, doesn't he? Because, I mean, that's what it means to believe in God, isn't it? It means to have an imaginary friend, like some little baby, like some child. Everyone knows God doesn't exist. Science has proved that. And so if we believe in God, and especially a personal God who hears our prayers, okay, that's just stupid. That's anti-intellectual. In fact, it's kind of weak. It's pathetic. People like that have no place in modern, sophisticated Western society. They deserve to be bullied. Now, folks, don't be naive. This is what contemporary Western culture thinks about religion in general and Christianity in particular. If we believe in a personal God who hears our prayers, if we believe in a God who would become human and die and rise to forgive us, expect to be laughed at, to be mocked, to be bullied. So again... Why bother? Why not join the bullies? Chuck up being Christian, laugh at the Christians, and just be cool and popular. Why not? Well, because of something that we can know about God. Something King David knew and rejoiced in. Have a look at verse 11 and the first half of verse 12. Verse 11 and then 12. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard. That you, O God, are strong, and that you, O God... Are loving. Bullies are strong. Okay, fine. The God of the Bible is stronger. Verse 11. You, O God, are strong. But how does God use his strength? He uses it not to oppress, not to bully, but to love, to protect, to care for. Verse 12. You, O God, are loving. This is one reason why the Bible calls God Father. And look, we all know this, whether we are fathers or not. Kids, you know, those of us who are children. Remember those times that our dad used to love to play with us? And maybe he'd even throw us up in the air. Look, my, I'm a bit old and big and fat for my dad to throw me up in the air at the moment, but you know what I mean. Like, we're not scared when that happens. Why? We're fly- Because it's fun. Whee! And then down... And when we come down, he catches us, and then he does it again and catches us, and his back's kind of going because we're big and heavy, and it's, it's too old for this sort of thing. But that's our father using his strength for our joy, for fun. And that's the God of the Bible is like that. He uses his strength not to oppress, but to protect, to care for, and to make us rejoice. David knew that, and great David's greater son, Jesus, knew that as well. You realize Jesus was bullied to death. His enemies came to him in secret in the Garden of Gethsemane at night when all those crowds that followed Jesus weren't there because they were scared that they would riot. 
They didn't have a proper charge against Jesus. They had to make up false witnesses. And then they had to bully Pontius Pilate, threatening him with like political machinations in order to get Pontius Pilate to condemn Jesus to death. Classic bullying. The the kindest, gentlest man who ever lived and whoever will live was murdered by powerful religious people who wanted to preserve their power. But actually, that's not the whole story because it's not, it's not actually right to say Jesus was some helpless victim. He wasn't a victim. He was more powerful than those people who were threatening him. In Matthew 26, Jesus says, Do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scripture be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? And Gospel of John records Jesus saying something similar. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Jesus is God. We celebrated that a month ago. God become human. Jesus is also the full human, the true human, son of David, the Messiah, the King of Israel. If he wanted to, he could have prayed and asked his father God to send 12,000 big badass angels. A legion is a thousand, okay? And any one of those angels would have packed more firepower than a T-80 main battle tank. He could have reduced those enemies to ashes. But then he would have been the bully, wouldn't he? Because he would have been using his power to squash, to oppress weak people. In this case, weak idiots who didn't know who they were up against. Yeah, but they deserved it. They were his enemies. They were against him. They were oppressing him. They were unrighteous. They were liars. Yeah, they, maybe they did deserve it. No, not maybe. Yes, they did deserve it. They should have been smashed. But that's not the point. Jesus did not come to smash weak people. Even weak people who are wrong, who deserve to get punished, who deserve to get smashed. Jesus came to forgive them, to protect them. That's how he used his power, even if they deserve to be smashed. And that's good because we need Jesus to save and protect us. When was the last time you oppressed someone, folks? When was the last time you used the power of your words to cut someone down? Maybe it was just during the holidays when some of your extended family were getting on your nerves or something like that. And you know just because you're their family, you know just how to say the right words to deflate them and make them slink away to a corner and cry. When was the last time you used your social power to gossip, slander, tear down someone's reputation so that they, you kicked them out from the cool group. And gee, that felt good, didn't it? Maybe even you used your fist, literally, slap someone around, get them to be quiet and go back in their corner. 
Yeah, but they deserved it. They were getting on my nerves. They, they, were, they started it. Yeah, maybe they did deserve it. Maybe they are idiots who deserve, who deserve to, what they got. That's not the point. We always think of ourselves as the victim. Oh God, everyone's oppressing me. God, you should do your job and support me because that's what I need and that's your job. That's not how the Bible puts it. The Bible challenges us to admit that first of all, we are the bully. We are the bad boys and girls who, as, who often use our power, whatever it is, you know, words, social position, physical situation, money, whatever. We use our power to benefit ourselves at the expense of those around us. And that makes us the bully. This is why we need Jesus. We need the Jesus who used his almighty cosmic power not to oppress, not even to smash those who deserve it, but to forgive us, to care for us, to protect us. Or as the Apostle Paul says, he is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God not to judge, the power of God not to smash those who deserve it, the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Have you put your trust in Jesus? Has he forgiven you for, bully, for being a bully? If we have, then we can trust God even when people bully us. In Psalm 62 verse 8, let's get back to the psalm. In Psalm 62 verse 8, David speaks to the people. Have a listen to this. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. David is here talking to us. Well, first of all, he spoke to the people of Israel. You notice how he's, he's now saying, hey, everyone, I have experienced God like this. He's good. He protects me when I am in need. I want you to share that kind of experience of God. And so he speaks to the people, trust in him, in God at all times, even when you're being bullied, O oh people. Pray, pour out your hearts to him. God is our refuge. The way to stand up against bullies is to get down on your knees, to pour out your hearts to him. That doesn't sound powerful, does it? It looks weak. It looks like a loser maneuver where we'll probably get paid out even more. Yeah? So, do we trust God? If we do, we can keep entrusting ourselves to him. Even when we're being opposed, bullied, we feel we're being treated unrighteously. And when we do that, we won't get intimidated by the bullies. That's what David continues to say in verse 9. Low-born men are but a breath. The high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they're nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Sometimes, people who are under our power can give us a hard time, just as much as people who are above us. Uh, uh, an employee at work, someone in our work team, they can keep stuffing things up and we have to carry the can and take the blame for them. Or a younger sibling just keeps doing stuff and like we... We cop the blame for it. That's the sort of thing that King David means when he talks about low-born people here. And then the high-born people are people who are above us. Maybe we're the younger sibling and our older sibling keeps blaming us and they're like, but I didn't do it. 
or your boss keeps giving you unrealistic deadlines and just pressure and you just feel like totally under, under the pump. What do they both have in common according to King David? They're nothing. They're a lie. They're just hot air. Don't worry about human power if we entrust ourselves to God compared to him, compared to the risen Jesus. They're just hot air. And this is especially the case today when more and more in today's sex-obsessed, aggressively permissive world, we are going to be bullied just for being Christian and for holding what, what is considered normal Christian values. And we need to be ready for the law and the government not to protect us, but to actually be advancing the bullying. We need to be ready for state-sanctioned bullying. A couple of years ago, a school in Sydney held an anti-bullying day. That's great. Christians were not in favor of bullying at all. This whole talk is against bullying. The the psalm is against bullying. But that anti-bullying day turned out to actually be a gay pride day. A day celebrating homosexual relationships. Now some Christian children and their parents in conscience said, look, we can't celebrate same-sex relationships. We're not going to persecute homosexual people. We don't, we're not saying they should be jailed or any nonsense like that. No, but I'm sorry. We cannot do what this celebration day requires. So we're not sending our children to school. And they sent letters that the children would be excused from school. The next day, the Christian kids got bullied, got, got called bigots, homophobes, told they got no place in progressive, sophisticated society. To put it in technical terms, the legal rights to express your sexuality are expanding and expanding, while the legal protection of religious expression are contracting and contracting. That's sort of what's happening in law. And that means that contemporary Western society thinks that sex is more important than God. That's the only explanation for that. And that means that if we believe, which the Bible does, that worshipping God is more important than gratifying our sexual urges, get ready to be mocked. Get ready to be slandered as sexually repressed, homophobe. You guys heard the term virgin shaming? It's a thing. Google it. At the moment, in Australian law, you can't be fired for refusing to affirm same-sex or celebrate same-sex relationships. That's fantastic, but that's only under current Australian law. It's perfectly possible that corporations may start requiring you to sign statements of celebrating same-sex sexuality and or gender fluidity. And at the moment, you can't be sacked for refusing to sign that, okay? That's good, praise God. But if the law changes, who knows? Could be that in order to keep your job, you have to, like, affirm sexual, um, uh, sexual values that are just unbiblical, and so we lose our job. Does this sound scary? Intimidating? Don't worry. 
It's only a business company. They got nothing compared to the risen Jesus. It's only a school. It's only the Australian government, only Australian law. God's kingdom stands. God has elected his son, Jesus, to be king over his kingdom. And no human election can overturn that. If we trust Jesus, then we don't have to be intimidated by all of these social developments, even if they cost us. They cost us our job, our reputation. And we also don't have to become a bully. That's what King David says in verse 10. Have a look. Next verse, verse 10. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Now, at first glance, you kind of go, what's this got to do with bullying? Because it's just talking about theft, isn't it? Yeah, but this is the connection. Back in David's time, one way that people bullied others is by using their social status to basically rip off, to steal money, extort money from people who are below them. So this is sort of financial bullying that King David is talking about. And he's basically saying, don't do it. By the way, you know how people say, oh, the Bible was written and just uh, expresses its own culture and culture has progressed, we know better now, ha, ha, ha. This is countercultural. Yes, the Bible was written in a cultural context. It's silly. It's not like you can extract yourself from some context. But the Bible is as much against the cultures it, it was written in when we understand it in context. This is a countercultural, unexpected statement that King David is saying because he understands and knows God. Basically, it's, the so, it's, it's this kind of thing. If we get bullied, we can let the righteous resentment, no one deserves to be bullied, okay? And so we are rightly offended and angry when we're bullied. We don't deserve this. Yeah, that's true. But if we let that anger fester inside of us, then this is what happens. We sort of bide our time until some weak person turns up. Maybe it's the bully, and now we've got, you know, the power over them. Maybe it's just someone else who never did us anything wrong. But because we've got this sense of dignity that's being hurt, when we've got the opportunity, we enforce ourselves over against them. Yeah, that felt really good. I'm, I'm powerful. I'm strong. And we've crushed someone. We've become the bully that we hated. Because we let the anger fester inside of us, because we let that hatred shape us, don't do that. Hand over the anger to God. That's what King David did. Have a look at the very last bit of verse 12, second half of verse 12. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Notice King David doesn't say, oh, well, you know, everyone's going to be forgiven, so I guess it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. But God will judge. Don't, we don't need to hold on to the anger. We can hand it over to the judge of the universe, which is much more powerful, much more effective, much more frightening than any judgment that we puny humans can exact on someone. It's actually the kind of thing that the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Now, isn't that interesting language? Leave room for God's wrath. It's as if we, if we take revenge, we're muscling God out, bullying him as well. 
we need to do what Jesus did. And the Apostle Peter, he reminds us that when they, his enemies, hurled their insults at him, Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he just let them do whatever they wanted to him. Now, it's not what it says, is it? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. It's wrong to be bullied. We don't have to just lie down and let the bullies walk all over us. If something's happening at school or university, tell the teachers, tell the, the, the authorities. If there's something happening at work, tell human resources, tell your boss. If something's happening in the family, talk to someone at church, talk to myself, talk to Matthew, email Burn, talk to your elders, talk to your parents, just talk it out with someone. You don't, no one deserves to be bullied. It does mean don't get angry. Don't let the anger fester and shape you to become a bully. Like, if we trust Jesus, then like Jesus, we can forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgave us and not bear a personal grudge against the bully. We can pray for them and pray that they become a Christian and learn the forgiveness, experience the forgiveness that Jesus gives to bullies. And then... We can pray that they come and apologize to us because that's what real Christians do. People who trust Jesus, we admit our faults to God, we confess to him, and we admit our faults to each other and apologize to each other. And then when they apologize to us, we can forgive them or tell them that we've already forgiven them in Jesus' name and give them a big hug. And wouldn't that be an amazing example of God's power Not power to oppress. Not even power to judge people who deserve it. But power to forgive. To reconcile. To make people who used to be enemies, loving friends. In this world, it looks like bullies win. Because people can use their power and strength to oppress others, benefit themselves and get away with it. In God's world, bullies lose big time. Because the God of the Bible uses his power not to oppress but to protect and save, even protect idiots like us, bullies like us. Have you put your trust in Jesus, the Jesus who forgives bullies? If so, We don't need to let the bullies walk over us, but we can show them God's love by genuinely forgiving them, praying for them, and seeking that they would trust Jesus also and apologize to us and reconcile with us and live well before Jesus now and forever. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God, that we can trust your power. That's no small thing. You are indeed a mighty God. But you don't expect us to just run away or tremble in fear before your power. We worship you as the most powerful God, but we worship you with joy, with trust, with confidence. Because you have shown us in the cross of your son that you use your power to save, to protect, to forgive, to build us up, not tear us down. Please fill us with confidence in that. And having filled us with confidence in that, please help us to live in a world which is frightening, which is full of bullies. Help us to not be a bully. Forgive us for the times that we have used our power to oppress, to benefit ourselves at 
other people's expense? Show us when, we're, when we tend to do that. And then show us how to do the opposite, to care for people in your name, even especially idiots who don't deserve it. We pray this for the honor of your name, that people may see our good deeds and praise you, our Heavenly Father. And we pray this for the good of your people and the salvation of many. Amen.